Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with Diana Crash, founder of Good Vibes Marketing. Good Vibes Marketing provides organic content and marketing solutions to the cannabis space. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana. Um, if you have ever listened to this show before, I apologize for, right off the bat, I want to apologize for um, taking so long in between episodes this season. This season hasn't been the best representation of why I created this show, um, but with everything going on right now, it's been really hard to find a way to um, put everything into words, which is really difficult when you're a content creator for a living. Um, anyway, basically the long and short of it is then the new season, if you're still listening by then, and if you are listening now, I really appreciate you hanging in there. Um, I promise you that the next season will be a lot more interesting, a lot more uh, representative of why I became involved in this industry. And um, I think that there are going to be some really amazing guest co-hosts and guest interviews along with some other hopeful projects. But I don't want to say too much right now because with all the uncertainty going on, who knows what could happen. Um, but what I do know is that my finale episode, which will be the next one, um, will be a little bit of a preview for season four. And um, if you're interested in getting involved in the new season, please do reach out. Um, though I will say that we won't be um, recording anything new until mid-August. So just a heads up on that. But we will have the finale um, up and live by the end of the month, hopefully, beginning of August <clears throat> at the latest. So the interview that is coming up is a very interesting one, and it's a few months old, But and I apologize for that, but I feel like everything is evergreen, <laughs> pardon the pun, um, <clears throat> in the interview. Um, so without further ado, please listen to Chia Rodriguez, who is the founder of Mendocino, Mendocino, am I saying that correctly? Mendocino Generations. That sounds weird for some reason coming out of my mouth, but I think I said it correctly. Mendocino Generations. Um, Mendocino Generations is an alliance of legal permitted farms in Mendocino County, 
working together to grow, breed, and create organic and biodynamic herbal medicines. They have uh, multi-generational farmers who have been cultivating in the area for nearly 40 years. And they create or they craft high-quality artisanal cannabis. Their focus is on quality, not quantity. So they grow small batches and cultivate based on appellations and microclimates. Um, Chia talks about some very important issues that are still plaguing the can or the continue to plague the cannabis industry. And I think that uh, we all can learn something from it. So I hope you enjoy. Okay. So Chia, can you talk about your history as a grower? For sure. Good morning. Um, oh yeah. Good morning. Yes, well, I, <laughs> Let's start off with that. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Well, uh, yeah, sure. I would love to chat about um, my history here. Basically, I am a daughter of the cannabis industry. I was born into it. Um, where I live in Mendocino County in Northern California, which is in the Emerald Triangle, um, it was just part of the culture. And uh, my parents were of the generation back in the uh, 70s who moved out into the woods um, to live a back-to-the-land lifestyle and kind of get away from the politics of the time and um, kind of live this, you know, free, loving, hippie lifestyle. And so with that came alternative sources of income, which people had to get really creative. And so my dad um, cultivated cannabis, uh, gorilla styles, what kind of what we call it now, um, you know, in the forest and, you know, in the trees. And um, so I grew up sort of watching his methodologies and being around it and, and understanding that there's definitely um, some fear around cultivating cannabis. And, and also the fear was um, imparted on me as a child. Like you never tell anybody what your father does. You never talk about it. Um, you know, if somebody asks your dad's like, retired school teacher, you know, so I grew up with that, um, very present in my mind. And, um, so as things, as time evolved and, you know, we, we, um, had plants, you know, that would kind of like be in the blackberry brambles and, you know, it was a lot of effort back in those days, but the prices were really high. And so, um, you barely really had to cultivate anything in order to live a pretty decent lifestyle. Um, and so as I grew up, I took over my father's farm um, with my husband. Um, and so we're going on our 22nd year cultivating our own farm, which we now live down the road from there. Um, his father is also uh, back to the lander on the same um, intentional community. And so that's how we met and knew each other. Um, and so both of our dads, you know, had, had dabbled, his dad kind of just had a few plants, but had got raided once, um, which traumatized him, um, still to this day. And Imagine, so he yeah. didn't really ever, yeah, it was pretty traumatic back in, in those days. They, you know, like, um, thrashed his house and it was a really, only, yeah, you know, it was pretty awful the way that they did. They tied him to a tree in the blaring sun. Oh my God. You know, it was pretty renegade back then. Um, and it's all over like six or eight plants, something really ridiculous. Very small. Or just plants, period. I mean, who cares how much? It's plants, you know? Oh, it makes me so <laughs> angry. 
I know. So that kind of set his tone to be kind of more fearful as an, you know, as an adult and having us cultivate near him, which still is an, an issue for him. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so my husband and myself, um, we got pregnant with my older son. We found our own piece of property. We moved there and we're going on our 22nd season cultivating on our own farm. Um, and so in that light, this will kind of lead into the story of what we're up to these days, but we, um, the pop, the property that we bought is right in the flight path. And for anybody who doesn't kind of understand why that's important as basically in our County, they train, um, all the cannabis, um, agencies for every state in our County to fly over in June. And they have, I think, 28 different agencies or something like that come here to learn how to spot cannabis. And they fly over. Wow. They basically poulter us for a couple of weeks. Um, it's really scary. It's, it's, you know, tons of helicopters everywhere. You drive down to the town and there's, you know, every hotel is full of these guys. There's, you know, the airport is chock full. And so people are freaked out legitimately. And so at my, where my property is, it's kind of the top of the hill. It happens to be right in the flight path. And they would often use us as an example. We've had many times where there was multiple helicopters circling us and our property um, and kind of pointing out, you know, look at those plants down there. And so um, it was scary and really no fun, something that you definitely dreaded. And so a lot of people tended to wait until after that training time was over to put their plants out in into the sun for good reason. And so, you know, we just, we didn't like that, of course. And, you know, our children were afraid, we were afraid it was, you know, really stressful. And so as soon as there was any kind of um, avenue towards legalization, we, we took that. Um, and so <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is that is bonkers. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's terrifying enough to hear your story, but um, and from what I've read about your story, but to add children into the mix, I mean, I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I want to have you back on to talk about that at some point because we were we're talking more about parenting cannabis this season, but to switch gears a little bit, um. Let's not keep it all terrifying, <laughs> right? Uh, how how is <laughs> we'll try not to. Um, it how is Mendocino Generations, uh, which I don't even know if we mentioned it necessarily, but how is Mendocino Generations helping women dominate cannabis farming? Yeah, let me start with a little history then. Um, yeah. So as we started cultivating here in Mendocino County with the um, in California, we had Prop 215, which allowed you to cultivate six plants, or you could collectively cultivate 25 if you collected enough medical cards to do so, which we did. Um, and then the law changed here in Mendocino County, you could cultivate 99 plants, and you'd have to collect enough medical cards to do so. So basically, you were cultivating four patients. And so we had that, a collective for many years, we were registered with the state and the whole kit and caboodle. And then um, a lot of people around us started doing the same thing and we realized that, you know, the sheriff was overseeing this program, which in itself is not fun, but at least it was an avenue towards something better. And 
we believe in that medicine should get to the people. It's a plant, like you said, like everybody deserves the right to have a healing plant, um, you know, to use. And so basically we started having these conversations with all of our friends and neighbors um, about how do we move forward? What's coming next? What do you think it's going to be like? Are we going to survive? What are prices going to be like? How should we do this? What would be the best strategy? And so we started having these conversations and that quickly turned into um, my, well, my husband's idea was how about we open a dispensary and we call it Mendocino Generations. And it's about the generations of cultivators, the lineage of the people, but it's also about the lineage of the plants. So there's many generations, you know, of, of these um, cultivars and strains that we've been producing for going on, you know, five decades really here in Mendocino County. Um, and, and so we were just kind of playing homage to the plants and the people who are behind um, cultivating cannabis. And so that's, that project didn't happen. We didn't open a dispensary because the town that we were trying to do it in literally like chased us out with pitchforks. They hated us. They just weren't ready for it. Um, and that was back in 2011. And so then we kind of dropped that idea for a moment. And during that time, this is when, you know, people are having conversation. Well, what, what can we do to change the situation? This isn't working. We don't like this. We believe in, you know, medicine for all people. How about recreational? So it, it kind of, you know, started moving towards um, the writing of Prop 64. It was happening. And that all culminated, of course, um, in 2018 when the law passed. And so before that happened, we started um, working with a couple other neighbors um, in 2015, to be exact, we started working with two other farms that live near us. And we thought, well, the best way to survive this tsunami that's coming is kind of how we looked at it. Um, because we just didn't really know we, we knew that the floodgates were going to open, right, and that all these people were going to come here and cultivate, and maybe just kind of blow us out of the water. So we decided that the best way to do that would be to join forces and create a brand. So we started Arcana Flowers, which is our our brand. Um, and then Mendocino Generations became a, a collective with three farms starting. The, after the first year, we had 35. And then after that, we went to 60. And now we're kind of back down to somewhere around 50 people who are kind of like actively participating in the group. Um, we can no longer be a collective with the state because that model had sunset under Prop 64. And so now basically we are a group of farmers who are working together to support each other and whatever that means, it's always changing. Um, initially, right. yeah, initially it was me helping people get compliant because my husband and I, my husband's name is Jamie. Um, we were really kind of being like the guinea pigs for everybody. We were like, okay, we're going to do it first. And if, you know, we can get through this and we'll help other people. And so a lot of folks were coming to us asking for advice and help. And so we started um, doing compliance paperwork for people trying to figure out, you know, what, what the best way to move forward for them was, you know, maybe their property wasn't the right place or the right size or whatever the, the stipulations were at that time. So we really were you know, being really active at the county, the supervisors going to all these meetings every uh, week and, you know, for years. 
Um, That's a lot of work and in itself. It was really, yeah, it was a lot of work and it was quite exhausting, still is. But, um, you know, but I always say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If you don't stand up for yourself, you don't stand up for your community, you don't speak out, how would they know that there's any issues or any problems or anything that needs to be changed, right? So here we are standing up there like, <laughs> saying what we feel and trying to get things changed, which, you know, at that time, I, I think we did good, actually, you know, it, it, a lot of things wouldn't have been, <clears throat> wouldn't have be the way that they are if it, it wasn't for that core group of people really being diligent. And even to this day, interrupt, really, but I do have a question for you that's yeah. off, not on the list. I yeah. apologize. It just popped in my head. But like, if sure. you grow up in the way that you did, and I'm just wondering, because it, it, you had this fear of basically the authorities and the government mm-hmm. and, and those other, you know, um, so is it difficult for you to be an activist on the political side, having grown up in that way? Like, you know what I mean? Like Completely. to say, to, to let Completely. people know what's going on all the time when you've been guarded and protective yeah. of this secret for so long. Yeah. And I, I like to say, you know, there was a time when we were, even afraid to put our last names and our phone numbers on our business cards. Sure. That's how it started. Really. It was like, you know, I put Chia. I mean, there's no Mm -hmm. other Chia around here. (laughs) It would have been pretty easy to figure that out at that point. But, um, you know, and I put my email address and that was it because, you know, really, even though it was on public record that I was getting up and speaking out at these things and putting my face out there, I just really didn't want people to pinpoint you know, I didn't want right. to be targeted. And yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I would feel yeah. that way, too. It would be so hard, I think, uh, yeah. more so than than anyone else. Because, yeah, you know. it was definitely a nerve wracking thing. But, you know, for some reason, I feel in my life, like I've always been called to help the community and create change in community and also bring community together. And, and because I was raised on a back to the land commune. That was sort of the vibe, right? The vibe was, we're all here together. We got to help each other. And everybody helped each other build homes and raise their children and build gardens and all these things. And so that was sort of just in my blood. That's amazing. I guess here I am like doing that continuously in different ways. It's always changing, but people uh, seem to look at me for answers, it seems. And so I feel like I end up kind of being like the the guinea pig for a lot of <laughs> things yeah. and trying it out and see what happens. And and sometimes that's not so beneficial for me or my farm or my family, but um, at least I tried, you know? So, yeah. So that kind of propelled us into where we are now because we, we really started, um, you know, yeah, being an activist. I mean, I wouldn't say really that I'm an activist, but I just feel like I'm, I'm a community oh, organizer. Totally. And I, I think you are. Yeah. yeah. I think if you aren't, then who is, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> a, you're putting yourself on the line every day. That's, that's an activist. Um, and, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're basically, you know, just putting everything including your protection and your security, all of that, just to yeah. protect the greater good of the community, which is amazing. Um, and I love yeah, that you grew I, up yeah, that way. Just that's like, see... Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry, sorry, interrupt. Oh no, I, no, I was I, just saying that's so cool to see that come into fruition, like in in an adult, and say, "Hey, look, this is what happens when the community comes together and totally. helps each other out." You know, totally. And because you know, really, like, what would be the worst case scenario is that the culture 
in our county in the Emerald Triangle in Northern California would wither Mm -hmm. and people would fall off the map and they'd have to move away and they'd have to go like get traditional jobs that they would kind of kill their soul. You know, it's like, here's people cultivating beautiful plants and medicine, living in nature in harmony with the earth, you know, growing vegetables and fruits and animals and doing their thing. And, you know, now here we are with this like complete overregulation and we'll just jump ahead to where we are at this moment. It's like Prop 64 really like, you know, me and my husband were just having a little argument before we got on, on here about this because, you know, we thought we were pushing for something that was going to help us or or be better. And here we are in the situations like, uh, you know, it, it's not better, it's different. And okay, yeah, we can talk about cannabis wherever we want. We can sit in a coffee shop and, you know, I can give people samples. I can sell my weed. I can you know, whatever. It's so much different. It's more freeing in a lot of ways, but in so many other ways, it's completely stifling. It's overtaxed, overregulated, super stressful. (laughs) Really, the whole thing is sort of a big clusterfuck. Just thank you. I wasn't sure if I could say that. Yeah, totally say it. Yeah, (laughs) it is a complete and ultimate clusterfuck because really you know you have all these different sides to what's currently going on which is you have the regulators and then you have the legacy farmers which I've been talking about right but then you also have this other sector which you know maybe a portion of them had good intentions in their heart at the beginning when either they were helping to push and promote and write Prop 64 without knowing how it was going to affect what has been here for so long, right? Yes, we all want free medicine. Yes, we all want to like be able to give people, you know, recreational choices. But at the same time, we put the cart before the horse. Ultimately, that's what happened is like, here's this giant law, these regulations, all these rules around something that a very small sector of the community was really good at and trying to overregulate something they didn't understand. And so now we have to live with this, this regulation that, that really unfortunately has affected small heritage, like, you know, legacy cultivators in a completely negative way. Um, we've, forced people to shut their farms down, move, retire, go get a traditional job. It has really completely changed the economy of our county. And I said California in general, because, you know, whether or not the supervisors or the, you know, all these, these government agencies want to believe it, it is true that cannabis was holding up the entire economy of Northern California. And you see it so blatantly now, like yesterday, I just drove to Humboldt County and drove through Arcata and Eureka. And a friend of mine who lives there was telling me, you're going to be blown away when you drive up here, because I would say about a quarter of the businesses have gone out of business in the last year and well, two years now since Prop 2 or Prop 64, pardon me. And so it's because, you know, we're, 
yeah, we want to be paying taxes, but we're being overtaxed. You know, who, who said $148 a pound was like the accurate tax rate to be charging farms? Like, where did that number come from? And, you know, there's, there's local tax, there's county tax, there's state tax. And yeah, we want to be like legitimate, but sure. It would have been nice to be a voice at the table in the beginning. Yeah. I think is what my point is. I mean, how can you even make such a a life altering decision without including the people who have actually been doing it their entire lives? It just, it's mind boggling. And I, and I speak to so many people just even through this podcast that have had their livelihoods completely screwed up because of it. I mean, it's. Yeah. Well, it all points back to follow the money, right? I mean, we say everything, right? Yeah. Follow Mm -hmm. the money and you'll see why. And so who paid for Prop 64? Who helped write it? Yeah. You know, there might have been some, you know, (laughs) some great, wonderful, you know, visions in there, but ultimately it didn't, it didn't really help. And and here we are backpedaling now, trying to fix stuff to make it swallowable because it's, it's, it's not right now. I can't even imagine. Oh my God. Um, I'm so sorry. You have to deal with that. But <laughs> switching gears again, <laughs> let's talk about um, the documentary Ladybug, yeah. Ladybuds. Um, I was just said Ladybugs. I'm sorry. Let's talk about Ladybugs documentary, uh, the documentary yeah. called Ladybugs. So you're well, involved yeah. with it. You have a part in it. I saw in the trailer. Um, can you talk about that a little bit more and what people can yeah, expect? Yeah, totally. And- yeah, and just to kind of touch, okay, yeah, we just talked about a whole bunch of like yucky stuff, but yeah. really there is a lot of beauty in what's happening right now. And there's a lot of um, creativity and there's a lot of like this sort of awakening that's happening Yeah, that that wouldn't have never, I mean, maybe at some point it would have happened, but it's it's brought out because people feel free to talk mm-hmm. about it. They feel free to advertise about it. They feel free to sell their cannabis to to smoke their cannabis right and so Mm -hmm. that for me I think is like the little gem that we sometimes forget about when we're slogging through the mud and so this this movie Ladybuds um is being made by Chris Russo at Paceline Pictures um she approached me at an event in wow a lot of years ago now I'm just trying to think back (laughs) I know. Um, I feel like I've heard about this for a while now. That it's yeah, been totally. In well, she's been mm-hmm. filming for three years, and she stopped okay. filming in the fall, um, except for a couple little things that happened most recently with a couple of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, basically, it's a documentary about six women in the cannabis industry. There's uh, a dispensary owner. There's an mm-hmm. activist in southern california there's a pair of ladies who are up in humboldt county um who used to cultivate and make some products that they could can no longer do um there is a manufacturer slash cultivator and then there's myself who's kind of like um uh in the cultivation space of course but then also part of my story moved through the hardships sort of forced me to take a job and yeah. so I did that last year and it, and I, ultimately I realized I had to go back to my farm to make sure that my farm survived. Cause that's, that's my priority. Um, and so it follows us through about three years mm-hmm. and 
in the beginning I looked young and now I have a lot of gray hair. So the last little bit is like, <laughs> there was a lot of stressors, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, ultimately, you know, everybody's um, stories are just um, emotional and heart wrenching, but at the same time, glorious and, and beautiful in their own way. And so um, we've had a lot of fun. We made, you know, great friends with, with Chris and she's been um, coming to film on our farm, you know, so many times she kind of just became part of the family. And, and so that, that was really glorious, really. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. I've only seen little mini clips of it um, during some of the, the promotional um, events and stuff. And so I really have no idea what's going to happen, but, but it's going to be fun. So it, yeah. it will be out in the moment. Notes. It will, when, I'm sorry, when did you say it will be out? Well, any moment. We've oh, been anyway. Okay, <laughs> I thought you yeah. said, I apologize. <laughs> I thought you said like a date and I was like, oh no, cut out. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't know yet, but any, any second. So. Yes, and I'll have the notes to, uh, I mean, I'll have the link for this in the notes, but this is really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks really awesome from what I can tell. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Very and, cool. you know, I never would have thought I would have, like we were talking about before, I was like, I would have never pinned myself for somebody who would volunteer for something like that. And I really had no idea what I was signing up for in the beginning. I just kind of yeah. like, she was at an event, hey, do you want to, can I talk to you for a few minutes? Do you mind if I interview you? Do you want to be involved in this? I'm like, sure. I signed this thing. And now all of a sudden I'm like a focal point. I had no clue. Um, that's so cool. I mean, that's the really <laughs> cool thing about this industry that keeps me going. Um, cause as you know, I mean, you deal with a lot worse than I do, but it, it can be frustrating sometimes. And when you think about like the cool, creative beauty that comes out of the, you know, yeah. the fire and the trauma and the, you know, all the other yeah. things that are, are ugly, um, it's really cool. And it's also cool to put yourself in a position that you're uncomfortable in at first and to have something yep. really, you know, <laughs> to learn about yourself and, and the way and the process. And, and I'm sure you did throughout that process. Yeah, I really did. Actually, I was super afraid of a microphone and being on film and speaking out, you know, and that's something that mm -hmm. I've dealt with my, my whole life, even though I'm a community organizer and I, I, you know, tend to put myself in those positions, I'm deathly afraid of it. And so, yeah. you know, it has really helped me learn how to speak differently, think differently. Um, you know, it's, it's helped me stand up and be more confident in a lot of ways. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. That's really cool. And um, I know you spoke about a lot of the things that you've had to deal with the difficulties, but uh, what is the biggest hurdle that you face since entering, I should say, probably publicly in, in the, the cannabis industry since you've entered publicly? Because you've been in it all your life. So <laughs> um, to, to say entering would be. <laughs> yeah. But, gotcha. but like, what's one of the biggest things that you've learned from over the uh, over the last few years um, that you can like one of the biggest takeaways you talk about? Wow. Well, there's a lot of things, but, um, you know. I guess the main thing is that perseverance, uh -huh. um, it's really made me think a lot about what that means. And, um, I think that it's, there's a lot of planning, you know, uh -huh. there's a lot of 
thinking there's a lot of stress, right? But putting one foot in front of the other, because ultimately, why are we all here in this space? Why are we in the cannabis space? Most of us are here because it's something we passionately believe in. It's not just money. I mean, really, who cares about that? That's not really why we're doing this. Cannabis has always been part of my life. And so it's like something that I I really believe in and I want it to be accessible. And so for me, it's thinking about that. Who's going to be consuming it? Why am I doing it? It's good for me. It's good for my body Uh in a million ways. So putting one foot in front of the other for that goal. Um, And, you know, really like as a woman in this industry, you know, I'm backed by my husband. He does like the physical labor. He's doing the farming more and I'm doing the organizing and, and doing the brand and doing the promotions and the marketing and all that. Um, but you know, you got to work together to make your dream come true. And that's been the ultimate message that's really come through. in all this too, is that you need to rely on others sometimes to make your dream come to fruition. Uh And whether that be with people that you don't want to work with, like government people or agent, different people from, you know, water board and, and, um, fish and wildlife or whatever agencies, you know, we felt like we're maybe an enemy before we really do have to come together and find a common thread and, and find a way to speak to people so that they can understand and, and present your story in a way that's relatable that they can understand. Right. And so it's really, yeah, really pushed us all to have to be more articulate and eloquent and, and level-headed about what we're asking for and how we do it. And it's, I think one thing that has been, you know, amazing, it's propelled me as a, as a woman and the community and so many farmers and most of those farmers, you know, they're multi-generational. There's tons of women cultivating around here. Um, It's really pushed people to that, to have to like find a commonality with every single interaction that they have uh-huh. in order to uh-huh. succeed. Wow. That is a challenge. <laughs> um, so how can people support you and, um, and where they, where can they find you? And then also, do you have a, a specific item you want to promote or, or issue or anything that you want people to pay attention to right now? Yeah. So let's see. Um, well, I was mentioning, to you earlier um about the california um there's a hemp initiative that Mm -hmm. i've been looking into researching um it's called the california cannabis hemp initiative 2020 Mm -hmm. Um, and that's specific obviously to california but um really what what it's saying i you know there's an issue there because hemp is not something that we want here in our county and I don't believe it okay. belongs in, in the Emerald Triangle in Northern California in, in um, heritage cannabis cultivation areas. Okay. But this initiative also talks about, and, that, and that's for multiple reasons, which is probably a really yeah. long explanation, but the short explanation <laughs> is, yeah. um, is that hemp, if it's not regulated correctly or well, um, could ultimately... Mm-hmm 
completely ruin the cannabis strains and cultivars that have been cultivated for like five generations here. It could, in one foul wow. swoop, a male plant could ruin all of the seed stock, right? Wow. So, so I didn't know that. To be very carefully researched and instead of putting the car before the horse again, <laughs> we need to think about these things. And so what I do appreciate about this initiative that since I've been researching and looking into it is that this will reinstate some of what Prop 215 did for medical patients. You could collectively mm-hmm. cultivate again, which is mm-hmm. great. But it also says that each county can make the hemp portion of the initiative. Um, they They can basically not allow hemp cultivation and they can make it more strict, um, wow. which I think is good because in the beginning it wasn't that way as it was written. And, and that was a recent addition apparently. And so I've been looking into it and I feel like, okay, here we are on one hand, like allowing people to cultivate a plant because we believe in, in the access to medicine. Right. Yeah. But like, there's this other part. So, you know, I've been battling with that in my own mind and trying to just basically push people to look into it and research and do, make their own their own choice, of course. But um, that's it, something that's on the table right now. So that's what I'm thinking a lot about lately. And then the other okay. thing would be to look into Ladybuds and go support. They're still taking donations for support and sponsorships. And so mm-hmm. um, ladybudsmovie.com. And you can watch little trailers there and you can see what, they've been up to and see, you know, see some photos of the, the women involved in the, in the movie. Um, they're also on Facebook and in terms of contact and on Instagram as well, <laughs> Ladybuds movie. And um, so in terms of contacting me and finding out, you know, what, what I'm up to or what my group is up to um, let's see um, on Facebook, we are Mendocino generations slash arcana flowers and then on instagram we have multiple pages i have um mendocino generations is one so that's where you can look see a lot of um this advocacy work educational stuff that we do for local farmers um and then arcana flowers is our brand page and then i also have my farm page if anybody wants to see our day-to-day life on the farm um our farm is called river shy farms and it's the first word is river and then t-x-a-i is Uh the second word river shy and then let's see we have websites for arcanaflowers.com and then we have mendocinogenerations.com um the arcana flowers one is more directed towards the brand of course and looking at the strains specifically um and where to find our um sun-grown flower and then the mendocino generations one there's a lot of uh, links and and great articles and our blogs and all that good stuff there too awesome yeah, thank and, you so and much also for just a call to action too oh, yeah, is if anybody wants to be part of our blog or be interviewed by um erica key who does our um our blog posts and and some of our marketing stuff um uh, please do contact us because we love to, you know, connect with people also and promote what you got going on. Um, that's what we're all about is is promoting sun grown, promoting health through cannabis. 
and all that good stuff. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That is really cool. Thank you so much um, for being such an amazing source of support and, and, and everything, an activist and every, all the work that you do. And thank you for spending time with uh, us today and sharing a little tiny bit of your wealth of knowledge. <laughs> and please <laughs> come back having, on yeah. anytime. Yeah. Well, thanks thank you for so having much. me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I, I was listening to your show the other day um, for while I was planting all the seeds in, in my um, greenhouse. And I listened to maybe like five or six episodes while I was doing that. And just kind of the wide variety of things that you talk about um, is great. And it's good to know that Thank people you. on the other side of the country are thinking about a lot of the same stuff as we yeah. are. Right? So, yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast. If you would like to be featured in a future episode or would like to inquire about possible sponsorship, email yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. That's yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at highnesspodcast. That's at highnesspodcast. Thanks again.